Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of The Informed Catholic. This is going to be the readings for the fifth Sunday of Ordinary Time, the fifth Sunday of Ordinary Time. So um, let's begin in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let's begin with the act of contrition. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words and what I have done and what I have failed to do. Through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault, therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, and all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to please pray with me and for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us and forgive us our sins and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Christe eleison, Christe eleison, Christe eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to people of goodwill. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you. We give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, Heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, Only Begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the, Fa uh, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, have receive our prayer. You alone are the Holy One. You alone are the Lord. You alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in the glory of God the Father, forever and ever. Amen. The book of Job, chapter 7, verse 1 to 4, and 6 to 7. I am filled with restlessness until the dawn. A reading from the book of Job. Job spoke, saying, Is not man's life on earth a drudgery? Are not his days those of hirelings? He is a slave who longs for the shade, a hireling who waits for his wages. So I have been assigned months of misery, and troubled nights have been allotted to me. If in bed I say, when shall I arise? Then the night drags on. I am filled with restlessness until the dawn. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. They come to an end without hope. Remember that my life is like the wind. I shall not see happiness again. Job spoke, saying, Is not man's life on earth a drudgery? Are not his days those of hirelings? He is a slave who longs for the shade a hireling who waits for his wages. So I have been assigned months of misery, and troubled nights have been allotted to me. If in bed I say, when shall I arise? Then the night drags on. I am filled with restlessness until the dawn. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. They come to an end without hope. Remember that my life is like the wind. I shall not see happiness again. So the book of Job 
is a poetic book and a prophetic book at the same time. It's also a, not just a poetic book or a prophetic book. In, in many ways, it's also part of the wisdom books. Um, you know, it, it asks tough questions, questions that a lot of people, in reality, we all ask. You know, we talk about the meaning of life. We talk about the meaning of suffering. We ask these questions. These are important questions we all ask. We all ask them. People complain about how, how unjust the world is, how unjust the government is, how unjust life is. What's the purpose of life? What's the purpose of my existence? What's the meaning of my existence? What's the meaning of my life? What's, why am I suffering? Why am I unhappy? Why am I sad? Why are some people happy? Why are some people, they have a better life? Why does everyone, why does some people have everything and most people have nothing? Why, um, why do bad people get away with things? Why is, why do some people get away with injustice? Why is there evil? Why isn't there enough good in the world? These are all questions we all ask. Whether we we are honest with ourselves or honest with others, we all ask this question. And then, of course, there are people who say that life has no real meaning, that, um, that life is uh, without purpose, is there really there is no meaning to anything? These are things that are that are you know that we all ask this question, and you know we all go through things, and Job is that book in the Bible. Job is that book in the Bible that places this right in front of all of us, whether we like it or not. We see what's happening um, in place like uh, Palestine, the Palestinian people. You see this, the pain and suffering. You see the injustice in these people Many of these people, especially in Gaza, in, uh, what we, how we pronounce in the West is Gaza, they have lost, they are, they are descendants of refugees. Most of them in the Gaza Strip are, ref, are descendants of refugees from the 1947-48 of what they called the Nakba. In Arabic, it means the catastrophe. When the state of Israel was born, and Israeli militias started attacking and pushing the towns of Palestinians living in northern Galilee, in Haifa, and they started pushing, pushing. They 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 pushed these people from their homes, 
and they were pushed further out and many of them wound up in what today we call the the Gaza Strip. It's an open air prison. And they feel they 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 the the thing is this battle's been going for 76 years. The state of Israel was born and the people who who lived in which is now um Israel is uh, they they called it Palestine, and it's still going on to this day for for years. In the West, and I don't want I'm not trying to make this political, but we have to understand that many people talk about injustice and justice and why people suffer and other people don't suffer. It's because mankind has a misconception, has a twisted view about justice. The images show little children suffering, little children suffering in cold, adults suffering in cold, elderly people. There's an image of an old man. He reminded me a lot of my grandfather. And you could say he was an old, he's an old Job. One of many, one of thousands. He had only a, a gray, worn out, blanket a woolen hat his eyes were sunken he looked exhausted he looked like he just wanted to to die and he was crying he couldn't even pronounce his words in Arabic he was alone he was alone his skin looked dry from the cold he looked dehydrated and he was an old job he was an old job and it's interesting there was a young woman she's palestinian on instagram and it's funny how everybody in the West says the best thing, even I've had friends say this, the best thing is just stop watching. Stop looking at those images. Stop looking at the people suffering. Stop looking at little babies with limbs missing, children with blood, children burned from white phosphorus, uh, dead bodies of images of Palestinians and dead bodies, uh, body bags. That's a privilege. That's a, a comfort zone that we have in the West to do. Is turn away and not look at other people's suffering. Not acknowledge their suffering. Not acknowledge the fact that they're starving to death. Not acknowledge the fact that they're in pain and agony. And our tax money is paying for it. That our political support is doing this. Me, as someone who is Palestinian, I can't do that. I can't run to that comfort zone. I live, I have my own bed. I have my own shower. I have my own kitchen. I have clothes. I have an apartment. They don't. Now, other people who have no connection to them, I can't use this on them. I can't, I have no right to push this on them.
it breaks my heart because our tax money is paying for this. So I, I, I have a different, you could say different opinion, different perspective. This is a problem when we live in America. And other people also have different political views and different religious views, right? We can, you know, we can argue all this. We have the privilege to argue this. But I, I therefore, I have to me to watch, to look. I know what to pray for. And I, I feel connected to them. I feel this is as close as I can get to suffering with them. This is, this is the result of what many Palestinians called the Nakba and the diaspora. You know, I lived over there. I have family over there. I remember seeing Jerusalem. I remember the home we had. We still have, so far for now, the village of Ram holding on to my grandmother's hand, holding on to my grandfather's hand. I took a lot of those things for granted. I remember visiting Ramallah. I remember a time without the wall, the wall that the Israelis have built. I remember the weddings. I remember the getting up, hearing the call to prayer. These were today, this was years before I ever converted to Catholicism. I remember all these things. I remember them and I have fond memories of them and I miss them. It's hard, you know, America is such a, it's a wonderful country with wonderful opportunities and wonderful privileges. But the one terrible thing about America is the, the secularism of it. And I mean the secularism as in a sense with commercialism, how you can get swallowed up and lost, how you can get swallowed up, lost within politics, Lost with lost with an ideology, lost with within a sense of uh, like a it's like a box with a kid's different kind of toys or something. It's just thrown in there, and we all have this different identity, and it becomes meaningless in a meaningless barrage of identities. You know a meaninglessness of identities, of toys, of different collection of things. And become, and, and in a sense, you kind of like realize, wait a minute, this is not me. You know, you know, and, and, and morality gets, uh, morality just gets thrown in with all kinds of moralities and immoralities. And, and that, and that's something a lot of us, which is why I think a lot of us fight over identity because we feel like a voice of many voices, meaningless, a meaningless voice, you know? I hear this with a lot of friends. They get angry. They get angry because they feel, they feel marginalized. We're all marginalized. 
and other voices get heard above other voices. You know, you see it in our radios. Oh my goodness. Uh, the propaganda radio station, how one sh uh, shallow thing is emphasized as the biggest important thing when there are so many other real important moral things. You see, we between liberal radio and conservative radio, everybody is shallow. And they become propaganda. It's pro it's all propaganda. Sorry to tell you, it's all propaganda. Liberal and conservative radio. And that's the saddest thing about America. You know, patriotism is a beautiful thing. But patriotism with truth, patriotism with morality, patriotism with facts... That's important. That's important. But when patriotism becomes uh, a propaganda, that's wrong. And I would say the same thing with liberalism. You know, liberalism with facts, liberalism with morality, liberal, you know, liberalism uh, with with truth. That it's good. But when it comes liberalism with propaganda and immorality, it's bad. I've learned my lesson. I've learned my lesson, basically. And I understand now what the Bible says when the scripture says, especially in the Old Testament, neither turn to your right, neither turn to your left, but stay on the straight and narrow. This is why Christ said that it's difficult to walk the narrow and straight path. Very few people can make it. All right, and very people, you know, few people can handle the straight and narrow road. But when you go to the right and you go to the left, that's ideology and propaganda. Avoid both sides, avoid them. Because both sides, the right and the left, don't walk the straight and narrow road. And very few make it through the straight and narrow gate. That's the straight, the straight path of truth. The right is ideology and fanaticism. The left is ideology and fanaticism. And both are destructive. You know, this I, I, I understand now. I understand what Christ means by that. Because we're, you know, um, the straight and narrow way is the way of Christ, is the way of the gospel. It's the way of, uh, of the cross. Um, the right is fanaticism, propaganda, and ideology. The left is fanaticism, propaganda, and ideology. Um, the devil knows how to manipulate both. The devil knows how to control both. Um, it makes sense why Christ says enter through the narrow and straight gate follow the the straight and narrow road it's don't let yourself get manipulated by ideology like i would say it yes christian zionism but the church rejects zionism uh zionism there's this i learned recently 
It's a man-made Protestant ideology, possibly created by Freemasonry. Uh, we've heard that before. And they're not so secret. I wouldn't say they're made by a secret society. I don't even call Freemasonry a secret society. It's a it's an it's an ideology made by elite. And it's imperial colonialist idea. It's um which is what caused the state of Israel to be born. It's a secular state. And it basically covers itself with uh, biblical ideology, uh, Jewish ideology, but it's not. It's a secular state. And then you have what's later on came religious zeal into it which eventually would break away from the liberal elite. And then you have uh, Christians who then they use prophecy, dispensationalism. And then you have the other half, which is Jewish Zionism, uh, basically interpreted through the lens of nationalism. Uh, it's reading the Bible through the lens of nationalism. But what happens is, whether through the through the extreme right or the extreme left, they both will ignore morality, both will ignore conscience, both will ignore the voice of God. Uh, you see images in Jerusalem, uh, young Jewish men, Jews, Jewish nationalists. Yeah, they'll they'll look like religious. They'll look like religious. They'll have the tassels on the side. They'll have the yarmulke. They'll have their beard. They may have even a slight, maybe, uh, they'll have the gold the the locks from their sideburns basically, and they'll wait. They'll be having the the the, the flag of uh, the the Zionist flag of Israel. What do you call it? And they'll carry guns. They're carrying guns. And they'll spit on Christians. There was an image of a young man who spat it on a priest. They spat on a priest. They'll spit on nuns. They'll spit on people doing the station of the cross. And when you challenge them, they will. They are nasty. One of them even called the priest a nasty Arab word, um, shalmut, which is bitch. And they called the priest an asshole. Right, and these older guys and the and the priest when he took out a uh, a video, several of the Christians, uh, tourists, took out their phones. They the they wanted them to, to to delete it. Now, in my opinion, but you you just did it. You just spat on the priest. You even you even caught. I mean, I think one of them even gave him the finger. I believe, and they and they called him the nasty words in Arabic. It's funny how they use Arabic. And this is in Israel. This is in Jerusalem. This is in the. This is in Jerusalem. And the reason why I'm talking about this is because you see, like how the Book of Job shows how human beings are caught up with passions, are caught up, are desperate to believe in something, and the Book of Job. Often what happens is people suffer. People suffer. And even these young men are suffering. 
they're suffering because there's no peace in their hearts. They're caught up with ideology. They're caught up with ideological beliefs. Okay? For some people, you go to the extreme right. And you see this with Christians in America. They're, they're, they're turning to an earthly interpretation, a materialistic interpretation. Nationalism is materialism. And when you mix your Christian faith or Jewish faith, and I would probably say it's the same thing with Muslims to some extent, uh, basically, you, which is why they, they become terrorists, they want, they're so desperate for, judge, for justice that you have, become, you have become God or you made something into God. So you will turn to, um, it's, I would say, national, Christian nationalism, Jewish nationalism, even I would say Muslim nationalism, even Catholicism can, find, can fall into that, is materialism. It's materialism. It's like the health, it's the same thing, no different than the health and wealth gospel. You turn God into a money uh, a genie in a bottle for your for your desperation to win to you could pray you could pray for God's blessings to have that he'll bless you with the stuff but you have to accept God's will whether he gives it to you or not not the health and wealth gospel God is a sugar daddy and not with Christian nationalism or Jewish nationalism you have reduced God to uh, an idol that's the danger of this kind of stuff. All right, let's move on to the Psalms. I've talked enough about that, but you can see where it's leading to. <laughs> Praise the Lord who heals the brokenhearted. Psalm 147. Uh, going to verse 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 4. Praise the Lord who heals the brokenhearted. Praise the Lord, for he is good. Sing praise to our God, for he, for he is gracious. It is fitting to praise him. The Lord rebuilds Jerusalem. The dispersed of Israel he gathers. Praise the Lord, who heals the brokenhearted. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up the, their wounds. He tells the number of the stars. He calls each by name. Praise the Lord who heals the brokenhearted. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. To his wisdom there is no limit. The Lord sustains the lowly. The wicked he casts to the ground. Praise the Lord who heals the brokenhearted. Alleluia, alleluia. So that's the thing. I think um, we have to look to God. Things, things are always, always going to disappoint us. Things are always going to disappoint us. We put too much investment in this world, too much investment in materialism. You're going to be brokenhearted. You're going to be unhappy. Money will not make you happy. Drugs will not make you happy. Sex will not make you happy. You know, everything has to have a meaning and purpose. Okay, everything has to have a meaning and purpose. Sometimes God will allow people to have, some people to have what they want. But a lot of times he also gives you the moments in your life when you should realize 
how much you have and how much other people don't have. And sometimes if you don't listen to the voice of your conscience, which God has given you, you will um, over, um, you know, I mean, depends which direction you're going. Maybe your intentions were good, but sometimes good intentions lead to evil. You know, and sometimes too much of a good thing can lead to uh, can lead to destruction. Maybe God has a, a, a way to getting you back to bringing you. He's not going to force us. He's not going to force us to. He's not going to force our eyes open. Man, human beings are made in the image and likeness in God. I think He's given us all the means of realizing. If we're heading the wrong direction, he's given us all that he's given us the, the intellect. And I think the spiritual means of realizing that we're heading the wrong direction. Every ideology is, you know, can be, can sometimes start off with a good intention and, and end up with a bad one. Governments, governments, um, Governments exist in order to, I think it comes out of the image and likeness of God. Kingdoms comes out of the image and likeness of God. Uh, schools are from the image and likeness of God. But we could wind up turning them into all bad tools, all of them. You know, everything can be bad. And can first can start off with good intention and can then end up bad. It all depends on how you use them, right? Science comes out of the mind of man because man, human beings are made in the image and likeness of God. All things, everything, art, everything comes out of our relationship with God. It's just how we use them, how we exercise these things. You know, um, I was always into the art world and art. Art is a wonderful thing. But I've, but it's interesting how art can go, can go into the wrong direction and can go into the wrong place and go into the place where there's no God, where there's no meaning of God and becomes pure materialism. So we need, we need to use these things in the correct way. Everything has to be used in the correct way, in the way God intends it. We have to ask, how are we to use this? We use this to praise God. We use this to bring people close to God. We use this to, to, for good intentions, to bring good into the world. Governments are meant to being to bring good into the world to to do the right thing it's not the end all but it's a means of doing good and we have we also have to realize the limit of it governments have limits science has limit art has limit everything has a limit that's what's important we have to realize that All right, now we go on St. Paul's um, a reading from the letter of St. Paul, uh, first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 9, verse 16, 19, 22 to 23. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. 
if I preach the gospel, if I preach the gospel, this is no reason for me to boast, for an obligation has been imposed on me. And woe to me if I do not preach it. If I do so willingly, I have recompense. But if unwillingly, then I have been entrusted with a stewardship. What then is my recompense? That when I preach, I offer the gospel free of no charge, so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. Although I am free in regard to all, I have made myself a slave to all, so as to win over as many as possible. To the weak, I become weak to win over the weak. I have become all things to all to save at least some. All this I do for the sake of the gospel, so that, so that I too may have a share in it. The word of the Lord, thanks be to God. This is, this is, this is beautiful. This puts a lot of sense to what we have read before in Job. Okay. Different things, different ideologies, different ideas, and even like a sense of despair or even like uh, nihilism. Nihilism is another uh, idea that there's no meaning or purpose in life. But technically, if you go around thinking that, if you believe that there's no meaning and purpose in life, like there's no meaning to suffering, there's no meaning to to joy. There's no meaning to to anything. No justice. No mercy. That, in a sense, is an animal. That's a human being. That's even worse than an animal, really. Because that's really putting yourself. That's really, in a sense, uh, uh, I think, um, despair or meaninglessness. I think that that's the worst. Idea, the worst thing anyone came up with. It's so destructive. It's so cruel. Um, it's so monstrous and satanic. And I've seen it. I've seen it. I've known people. Um, there was this gentleman, this young man. His name was Logan. Uh, I believe he came from a Jewish background, I believe. Um, he was a comedian. Every single day I saw him at work in the staff cafeteria. He would have his head down on a table. Arms folded, his head down. I've never seen... And he really believed that there was no meaning in his life. He adopted this whole thing. I mean, I don't know everything about him, but he died of cancer. I can't say if his despair, 
his depression, his meat, his idea of meaninglessness, meaninglessness of his, of life did this to him. But he did not care. He gave up. I can't even believe he made it to work at times. He had an apartment, I heard, literally with no furniture. His mother came to visit him. And all there was, was a little, I don't know what she sat on. I can't even say what it was. I've heard this from people. So I can't even know if this this is what they told me is true. But he did not believe there was purpose and meaning. The gospel, Christ changes everything. Christ is life. Christ is truth. Christ, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, as Bishop Mari says, is God. I don't know what, what, I don't have all the answers to what brought Logan into this mindset, to this, to this despair, this meaninglessness. I mean, for a guy who's supposed to be a comedian, I don't know. It obviously, there's mental illness. Obviously, there's something else there. Nobody arrives at that conclusion just arriving into that conclusion like because it just doesn't human beings are not made for that i'm sorry we're made in the image and likeness of god we're we're made for a purpose that purpose is to be with god is to be with christ that purpose is to be with him there's no worse i think Every death, every death has a connection to the crucifixion. Even dying in cancer has a connection to the crucifixion. Dying of hunger and disease is a connection with the, with the crucifixion. Dying of loneliness. Everything has a connection with the crucifixion. And, but... The cross, the cross itself is complete trust in God, a complete abandonment in God, a complete abandonment with hope and meaning because Christ gave, gives death meaning. Everything in him has meaning and purpose. Your life, your joy, your happiness, all is in him. And Paul is right. <clears throat> Paul is absolute right. To make... This is why I think that when you look at these these ministers who on TV on TV who make money these mega churches they're not Christians they're not they're, they're not followers of Christ they're a bunch of leeches okay these people who who follow them are cheating themselves they're cheating themselves not just out of money that's meaninglessness money money can be easily restored god will bless you with money again but the point is it's it's about him it's jesus 
It's about Him. It's about getting close to Him. Embracing the cross is for liberation and freedom from the from 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 the world. It's enlightenment. It's 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 opening your eyes. Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. It's Him. Paul is right that the gospel must be given for free because if you give it free, if you, when you share the gospel with another person, and I don't mean it in a fanatical way, the best way to share the gospel with somebody is to pray for that person, befriend that person. If you can put time invested in that person, you will, you win the person over. You'll win the person over to Christ. The Holy Spirit will do it, not you. The Holy Spirit will use you. Christ will use you. Christ will use all of us in a positive way. Don't remember, it's Christ who does the converting, not you. It's Christ who does the converting, not me. It's Christ who opens the eyes of that person, not me or you. Loving that person, praying for that person, actually putting, remembering to pray for that person. We don't pray enough for people. We don't pray, which is the reason why we have to pray for people. It's an amazing thing. I think St. Paul, if we listen to him and follow his footsteps, follow his example, which is the road of Christ, which is the way of Christ, we'll do it. We'll, we'll do it. Christ will use us in a positive way. Remember, ask of the Lord to use us in a positive way, to use us in the way he thinks fit. But at the same time, the only way it's going to happen is that we pray. The rosary, I was listening the other day, um, there's a St. Augustine app now, which I kind of think I have to like a lot better than the Hollow app because they say St. Augustine app is free. There is actually uh, something called the Life Rosary. And that means like, you know, here's the thing. A lot of times all of us, we struggle praying it, but this is the way to pray it. Start off your morning. You could start off your morning by praying the introduction to the rosary, which is make a sign of the cross in the bed, say the Apostles' Creed, say the Our Father, say the Three Hail Marys. You can even, like, uh, before you end it, you can end it with uh, the St. Michael prayer and a glory be. And there, you start at the beginning, the introduction of the rosary, the, the first opening part. Later on, when you have time, either I do it on the train, I always choose, a, I try to choose something to pray for, like a cause to pray for, like something, like I, I'll pray for the people in Gaza, the people suffering in Palestine. I, because all the people I saw in the image, the reason why I watch those images is because it gives me, the images come to my head. And I will pray for the for the person I saw suffering, like the old man I saw that really struck me because he looked like my grandfather. He reminded me of my grandfather. I mean, his his suffering, his pain, his loneliness really struck me. 
And then there's other images of other people I'll pray for. I'll add them into the meditation of the rosary. If you have a friend who you know is going through a tough time, if you have a, a co-worker that's going through a tough time, a relative that's going through a tough time, a neighbor that's going through a tough time, add that person into the rosary. Add all those people into the rosary. Because really, as long as you give them a decade, you can give 10 people a decade, more than one decade, all of them. You've actually contributed something. Praying a decade for somebody is better than not praying. And really remembering them, remembering them before you go to bed, anything. We have to do that for Lent. We have to start praying for people. We have to start praying for others. And that's important. All right, let's move on. Okay, now we get to the gospel. Alleluia, alleluia. This is from Matthew, St. Matthew 8, 17. Christ took away our infirmities and bore our diseases. Alleluia, alleluia. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 1, verse 29 to 39. Jesus cure, uh, cured many who were sick with various diseases. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew. On leaving the synagogue, Jesus entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Simon's mother-in-law lay sick with a fever. They immediately told him about her. He approached, grasped her hand, and helped her up. Then the fever left her, and she waited on them. When it was evening after sunset, they brought to him all who were ill or possessed by demons. The whole town was gathered at the door. He cured many who were sick with various diseases, and he drove out many demons, not permitting them to speak because they, they knew him. Rising very early before dawn, he left and went off to a deserted place where he prayed. Simon and those who were with him pursued him and on finding him said everyone is looking for you he told them let us go on to the nearby villages that i may preach there also for this purpose have i come so he went into their synagogue preaching and driving out demons throughout the whole of galilee the gospel of the lord Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So this is uh, Mark's gospel. Mark is very um, kind of like straightforward, a straightforward shooter, really. And Mark is known to be actually based on the preaching of St. Peter. Supposedly, I believe some say that St. Mark was possibly a relative or a nephew of St. Peter. Uh, could be because, you know, of the upper room supposedly belonged to Mark's parents. And some tradition say that Mark's mother might have been sister to St. Peter. Who knows? 
which makes Mark his nephew, but possibly, we don't know. Um, I mean, they're all related. If you look at them, a lot of those uh, apostles like St. Jude, Thaddeus, um, little James or James the Just were all his cousins, uh, our Lord's cousins. So it, 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 who knows? It makes kind of sense. But this is the interesting, beautiful part. You see that Jesus, after he left the synagogue, and remember in the first part of Mark, there was a person with a, who was demonically possessed in the synagogue and started yelling and screaming at Jesus. Jesus taught with authority and he cast out demons and unclean spirits and he healed people with authority. And then after Jesus performed that exorcism, cast out the demon from that man, he leaves the synagogue, right? Sometime after. And he entered the house of Peter and Andrew. And Peter's mother-in-law was sick, laying in the house sick. Uh, this could mean that St. Peter's wife was still alive. It doesn't make any mention to her. I'm not saying that, you know, she isn't. It's just that we don't know. It doesn't make any mention. doesn't make any mention because if she's his mother-in-law, that means obviously he's married so or was married. So, you know, he could have had sister-in-laws taking care of her. It doesn't say anything about the wife. That's all I'm saying. You know, it doesn't make any references uh, that she was there. But anyway, they tell him about her. He goes into the room just touches her, she gets up and she starts serving. And then next, you know, by sunset, which means it was the Sabbath and the Sabbath ended Saturday evening, beginning the new day Sunday, beginning the new day Sunday in the evening, right? So they brought all the sick. They brought all the sick, the infirmed, the possessed at his door. And he started healing, curing many people. Many people with diseases, many people with unclean spirits. They were, seems to have been a lot of people under uh, possession. And suddenly you see, you see the, the gospel. You see Peter's house became the place of the infirmed. The church is for those who are sick, not for the healthy. Not the people who think themselves healthy. But you see how Simon Peter's house became the church, became the center, the place to go, became the new synagogue. And you see this happening on a Sunday, the first day of the week. We go to church because we need spiritual healing. We go to church because we are sick. We receive and Jesus gives himself to us. He, he gives himself. The next day, he gets up early and goes to a lonely place, goes to a place abandoned to pray. Our Lord goes to pray. And they all go out looking for him and they find him. They find him and they say to him, everyone's looking for you. But he must go to other towns and places to preach and teach and to heal. For this is the reason why he came. So they all followed him. The first thing we see is they go out and pursue him. 
They go out and pursue him. They want him. Early in the morning hours, just about sunrise, they go and pursue the Lord. Which is what we should do every minute of our lives, every day of our lives, every beginning of the day to pursue him. To want to be him, to want to find him. And this is important. Jesus comes into the home of Simon and Andrew. And he shares his home with James and John. And they they bring the sick member of their family to him. I mean, in a sense, they're praying. They, they They bring their loved ones, their family to him. And people come to the home of the person who has the gospel who had Christ, which is Peter. Peter had Christ in his home, had Christ in his life. Andrew and Peter and the family. And Christ heals these people from his home, from the home of Simon, because Simon made room in his life for God. And God is in his life, in his home. This is important that we have to do what Simon, Peter, and Andrew does. We have to do what James and John does. And in the morning, like James and John and Andrew, and we go out and we seek for him. We find him. The first thing we do is we pray to him at the beginning of the day so that the rest of the day can be consecrated. That's important. This is how we're supposed to live. This is how we give meaning, purpose, and meaning to our lives. We have to do this and we have to do this for other people because we make, we do, we do well for others. We become meaningful and purposeful for others. We don't leave people empty. We give people, we fill people's hearts with Christ. As Christ filled our lives, we fill their lives. We have to do the same thing. It's important that we do that, which is why we should read the gospel We should read the Bible. We should pray. We should pray the rosary. I think the rosary is the best thing to do. And also to pray and also fast. Let's make this Lent. Let's really, really, really put God in our lives. Let's really put God in our lives and bring God to others. But let's do it with humility. Let's not pressure people. Let's not bother people. Let's not do that. Because let's not become fanatical and picky. If you want to do it, let's do it in a way by praying for them. The best thing to do is to pray for them. Sometimes coming at people with the gospel and trying to push it on them is not going to do it. It's not going to do it because people don't always respond very well that way. They don't respond very well to pressure. A lot of people, I know this, they just don't. Because sometimes you can even make it harder on them and you can make it, you know, uncomfortable for them. They don't want to be uncomfortable. Um, Just pray for them. Pray for them. Make time for prayer. Put them in your prayer life. Um, That's the best thing to do. Just don't, don't make them uncomfortable. Don't, no, don't try to be um, proselytizing. It doesn't work. Trust me, I tried it. The best thing to do is just pray for that person. All right, let's uh, let's move on to the closing. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, 
maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us men and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. And by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried and rose again on the third day. In accordance with the scriptures, he ascended into heaven and it's seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church, I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. For the Holy Father, hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. For the people of Palestine, especially Gaza, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. For the people of Ukraine, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. For the people of Uganda, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. For all people who are suffering from war, refugees, women, children, who are forced, um, suffering from famine, disease, and torture, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. For the um, people of the state of Israel, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. For the um, <clears throat> for the priests of the Catholic Church, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. 
for the elderly. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. Amen. For those who are who suffer from sexual abuse, the children, the minors, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. Amen. For those who suffer from elder abuse, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. Amen. For those who, who suffer from drug abuse, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. From those who are mentally ill, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now, the hour of our death. Amen. From uh, those who suffer from domestic violence, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now, the hour of our death. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. As it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen.